I have to interrupt right here and tell you that one of my visits, I won't name him, I don't want to embarrass him, but one of the heads of state that I met with on this visit, he gave me one while I was on the way. He told me the story about the two fellows in the Soviet Union that were walking down the street, and the one of them says, have we really achieved full communism? Is this it? Is this now full communism? And the other one said, oh, hell no, it's, things are going to get a lot worse. <laughs> Welcome to the Noted Bitcoin Podcast. Uh, I'm your co-host, Pierre Richard, here with Michael Goldstein, a.k.a. Bitstein. How's it going, Michael? Howdy. Doing well. So we wanted to have a, a longtime friend of ours come on, uh, the Bitcoin rabbi. And I say longtime friend in terms of like Bitcoin time because um, I, we, we, I've, I got a message from you, I think, uh, like uh, a couple months ago asking for help on the node launcher um and then yeah we, we, i must have been I, I think that i was probably one of the earliest people who jumped on that right away because i was looking for months to try and get i'm not a technical person i mean not not a coder not a uh you know back-end programmer that i was able to get on the lightning network and when you posted it probably the first tweet that this is you can get on lightning network and it's not custodial and it's uh, you know, it's for somebody who doesn't have to uh, code anything. I was like jumped right on it. Yeah. And when so. I, when, so when I got your question, like you were one of the first people, if not the first person to ask for, for help on it. And so I, I was like very excited to have a user. Uh, and so that's, that's why I like jumped on the phone with you. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, we did. We had a nice chat. Uh, it must've been about three months ago. Yeah, uh, I must be one of your besides that, like, uh, as far as your guests on your podcast, I'm probably one of the newbest uh, people uh, here, which has its has its advantages. I can proudly say that I uh, having uh, bought Bitcoin after uh, the Bcash fork, I've never held any uh, Bcash, which all of you OGs can't can't claim. (laughs) That that definitely makes you even less of an altcoiner than like <laughs> yeah the most maximalists of maximalists who have all had to touch an altcoin whether they sold it or not. Yeah, um, yeah I feel bad. Yeah, so uh, you you're definitely uh, you're already ahead of us uh, despite being so new. Um, and the other thing too, though, is that like. I, I really what I've noticed over the years in Bitcoin is that it really does not matter at all what year someone what specific year someone came into Bitcoin in terms of like how well are they going to understand Bitcoin, how much influence are they going to have uh, and how are, are their ideas going to like grow and, you know, their their. Because like you can look, obviously, there's obvious examples like Roger Ver, you know, he was around from the beginning mm-hmm. and then like he was in this big block camp and like now is, uh, you know, running a scammy website. Like even right. or aside well, from I that, mean, I'm hardly uh, an influencer or anything, but I think that one of the best things. You're on your way by being I on the did. Noted Bitcoin podcast. You're uh, already halfway yeah, it's, there. This is a, it's it's a, um, a real honor. 
And uh, I look down your list and it's like Bitcoin core developers, all of this. And then, I mean, I'm, I'm not quite Bitcoin sign guy, but I may be in that genre of uh, <laughs> interesting uh, characters. Um, but so I, I did uh, appreciate that. I mean, I, so I've been, you know, following Bitcoin really have every day for uh, a year and a half more than that. But I didn't say, you know, I was quiet for the first year and didn't say anything because I knew that I just wanted to learn and just wanted to listen. And I didn't come, you know, I didn't come here to fix anything that, that uh, I think was a good uh, perspective to have. So that's why, you know, I've been in the space for whatever year and a half or close to two years, but I didn't make myself known or present um, in like a public way on Twitter until the past few months. What, what first like struck your interest in Bitcoin? What, what was the thing that bad at the, so, you, uh, you yeah. know, like everybody, uh, I, you know, first, I think the, fir the first time that I ever remember uh, hearing about Bitcoin and totally disregarded it was probably 2011. And it was probably a, um, uh, like, a, a front page of Reddit or something like that. That was like suicide hotline. You know, it's just money. Your life is more important. And I was like, well, I have zero interest in being involved in anything ab about this. So next. Um, but as far as when I, m my brother, my older brother, who really got me into Bitcoin, he got me into Judaism. He's, you know, we're, we're very close. And uh, I probably in mid uh, 2017, he's like, hey, I, I actually used to uh, mine Bitcoin on my laptop, but I don't know what happened to that. And I just try not to think about it. But uh, the price broke a thousand dollars. And, uh, you know, now it's, now it's, I bought some and it's even more now. So once I spent maybe a, a half a day just thinking about it and listening, you know, probably three hours of Andreas videos that I understood what was going on here, that it's actually a decentralized money of the internet and has a, has a hard cap of the 21 million coins. It was pretty much instantly like I knew that this was going to be a, a big thing and a big part of my life. And I mean, I grew up on the, you know, my family on the um, politically conservative libertarian side fiscally. And uh, so it kind of just seemed like a perfect fit. Like I, I never, I, I was interested in gold, but never had the uh, means of uh, investing or never really went through with it. And uh, not not that it would have mattered with my, you know, rabbi day school teacher salary that investing in gold would be like a big thing. And that's really the thing. I, I, it, I don't even know if uh, the investment financially is like going to be so life changing, but I think this is uh, really world changing. Like that's what I'm more interested in. That's what, you know, that's why I spend my time and my energy and talk about it because of the what I think it's going to be uh, the effect for the world and for people. Uh, to speak in Roger, like, you know, as besides all of his stuff, when he talks about, you know, helping all people all over the world and, and uh, uh, liberty and all of that, like that, that does speak to me. And, uh, you know, I had that kind of perspective from before. So once I realized Bitcoin is the real deal that does all of this, I was just like, oh, yeah, this is perfect. Then also on top of that, I, there's a community that is is into tech into, you know, uh, free market to libertarianism really likes meat 
And also, like half the people involved have beards. Not, not you guys, but a lot of the I was like, they, well, they, types. Yeah. yeah, I'm like, did they did they like make did they find my dreams and make <laughs> a community that would fit me perfectly? Uh, so, yeah, it's been a uh, it's been fun. And actually, um, so it was in um, like October when the two um, X uh, was all went before. So like me and a friend were talking about it. I I got him into Bitcoin and trying to make sense of it and understand. And, you know, if it, coins were on Coinbase, what was going to happen? So we started a WhatsApp uh, chat group between me and a friend and my brother, and we were just chatting. And then um, we posted the uh, link chat to on uh, like on our Facebooks and friends. Now we have 130 people. It's it's an all Jewish slash Israeli uh, Bitcoin uh, cryptocurrency discussion chat group that just started out of totally like a little conversation and it just blew up into this thing. It's been a little quieter during the bear market, but last year in like December, it was pretty, pretty pumping. Bitcoin has, has perennially uh, been pretty popular among Israelis, uh, it seems. Uh, when I went, yeah, in, you know, it, yeah. uh, when I went for the first time in 2014, uh, it, was, it was January 2014, and uh, still in the United States, if you asked anyone about Bitcoin, they usually had no clue what you were talking about. But generally, whenever I, you know, of course, everywhere I go in the world, I find myself evangelizing about Bitcoin. Uh, if I opened my mouth about Bitcoin, uh, people not only usually knew what it was, but were also, uh, you know, they tended to be open to it and, and interested in it. Well, apparently uh, I saw pictures that the uh, the Bitcoin embassy in Tel Aviv, which you guys were talking about in your last uh, podcast, they had the biggest uh, celebration on January 3rd or something. They had, um, oh, what's her name? Elena mm -hmm. V something from Casa mm -hmm. and... Uh, and uh, Nick Sabo was there. And like the week before that, Adam Back was there. And so like a lot of people, uh, like Jimmy Song's gone through uh, Tel Aviv, I know. Um, like there is definitely a big, it, when I, I lived in Israel for uh, three and a half years from 2007 to 2011. And uh, so not it wasn't anything that I also was in yeshiva in rabbinical school. So I wasn't in that scene at all at that time. Yeah. But uh no, it wasn't obviously wasn't like it is now, but it, it definitely is a, a big scene. And a lot, of, I mean, there's a lot of crypto stuff going on as well. Um, you know, which isn't exactly the same thing. <laughs> you mean like uh, other crypto as Bitcoin or just also, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, there's also yeah, a lot just of just the, the crypto space. No, like, yeah, I mean, the cryptocurrency space, the like yeah. VC investor, you know, uh, it's not exactly the same community as the, the Bitcoin community. No, not quite. <laughs> um, so we actually we asked not the Bitcoin crazy. community to uh, send us some questions for you uh, that are, uh, you know, so let's start with our friend Justin Moon, who was actually on our, our previous episode, I think, uh, from Biddle Bootcamp. Uh, if you have not signed up for Biddle Bootcamp yet, yeah, you still can. Uh, go to Biddle Bootcamp slash hashtag noted so you get a $100 discount on that. He asked, what do the Old Testament and Talmud have to say about money and money production? Um, okay, so being that these uh, are, uh, you know, we're talking about, uh, let's say, start with Abraham. The very first time that money is mentioned in the Torah 
um, is Abraham uh, buys a field in, in Hebron. He's buying a, a field and a cave as a burial plot for his uh, wife. This is in the book of Genesis. And uh, there he uh, spends uh, silver shekels, uh, silver coins that are measured uh, to, to buy weight. And that's how purchases. And I mean, it, since we're talking about uh, from that was uh, 4,000 years ago, give or take four, maybe four to 5,000 years ago. And the, you know, the entire Bible, the Torah and the Talmud are all from 2,000 years ago. So monetary policy was gold coins and silver coins. That's what it by definition always was. Um, and so, you know, it was hard money. Um, and, you know, it, like from uh, from the Bitcoin standard, it was like if you were a good king, then your coins actually had the amount of uh, gold and silver they were supposed to have. And if you were kind of, a, you know, trying to, to defraud and uh, take money for yourself, then they were uh, didn't weigh as much. Uh, as they should have. And that's basically how, that was how monetary policy worked for thousands of years. Uh, and it's the same way that it worked uh, in Judaism. So, I, and I said that I, I really, I think that it's, uh, it's kind of like a, a, the way that it works now, like that it's even a question um, that, you know, should money be that you have the money and it's worth it, or we can just print more and inflate more. Like, it's kind of like fraud. Like who would vote for that? Who would who would agree to that kind of system? Like here, you can have this money that it stays the same amount or becomes more valuable by uh, uh, by deflation, or I'll just you you have your money and I can make more of it whenever I want to. Like what? So that is actual as far as the money um, uh, supply like policy. It's I think it's pretty standard for that the time period. Um, but, but since the Jewish people have been all over the world and in various countries, we can use whatever money. I mean, we be, our, our policy across the board kind of is whatever is the best technology, um, which money is a technology we'll use the best technology for whatever our purposes are. So that applies to, uh, you know, to medicine and to money and, uh, to whatever else to, to communication and stuff. So we don't shy away from using whatever the best technology is, but that historically in all Jewish texts, it was always talking about, uh, you know, hard, uh, precious metals. That makes sense. And so, uh, like there's is is there animosity towards fiat money in any way like not in in Judaism I wouldn't say there's animosity towards that there is if you look in the Talmud uh the job of a tax collector is like a dirty word in the Talmud being I mean it's being a I guess it's that that it was just assumed that tax collectors were corrupt and mm. that they were always uh, skimming off the top um, or yeah, skimming from the top that, yeah. that was the, that was the, so tax being a tax collector was definitely, uh, not a, a very, has a very negative connotation. Like they, they're not allowed to serve as witnesses in court cases. Uh, there are, there's a, a list of a bunch of different kinds of people that are considered just by definition, uh, not trustworthy people. Um, so they, they are in that category. I guess that was also coming from a time when a tax collector had to go actually collect taxes. Yeah, they were going to your house and, uh, you know, that was, yes. So they were definitely not, not welcome members of society. Yeah. Today <laughs> you just, you know, mail, mail your check in 
it, or it, uh, have it be you know skimmed away without having even to do anything yeah and then michael they also they lie to you by doing the opposite of sending you a check and they're like oh you should be happy at this tax refund we sent you it's like okay but <laughs> that's your own totally- money <laughs> Yeah. I mean, we, you know, we, uh, Judaism I, is not an uh, anarchist system. I mean, we don't uh, believe in uh, anarchy. So we do believe in government and taxes in general. But like for, we believe that the, in, in, you know, in a minarchist kind of uh, system. And, um, you know, we, we, we have, beca- again, because we've lived amongst in various countries, uh, you know, it's been kind of rule, like you pay your taxes, you follow the laws of where the laws of whatever your country are, whether you like it or not, you should be a good, productive uh, citizen and, you know, positive to the, but it's nice that we can, you know, vote and, and do, do more than vote now, you know, you can hold Bitcoin. So that's like kind of a way of voting. Well, the other thing too, is that from a technology perspective, uh, using cryptography, using Bitcoin means that we can much more easily audit that the tax collector is not skimming off the top. Uh, so there's, I think, more accountability in that kind of system. And especially if, if they can't fall back on the inflation tax that is like hidden um, and they have to rely on actual taxes uh, that and also they can't fall back on just, uh, you know, today they'll like garnish your wages by putting you know a lien on your bank account or something like that um with bitcoin like they they there's no third party like a bank account that they can go just take the money from so i think that there's like it it means that they got to put more work into getting taxes and i think it also means that they have to have more legitimacy in terms of the services that we get from government being commensurate with the amount of value that they're asking from us yeah. Also, as far as transparency, that could also be used in um, like uh, um, public uh, or private charities uh, at the way that they are audited and the way that they can prove their funds. And well, I mean, we are, you know, very big uh, supporter of public charity and uh, I'm a very big, uh, you know, whatever uh, you give her to, to like, I believe that we all, as part of the believing government should do less and let us do more. Uh, you know, I, we try to take the responsibility to uh, get involved more. I just want to say about a uh, technology um, that there actually is a, a very interesting um, uh, verse or uh, section from the Zohar. As are either of you familiar with the Zohar, it's the book of Kabbalah. <laughs> It's mm-hmm. uh, the of the mystical teachings. So it, it's it actually uh, gives like a time frame. So this book was written uh, two thousand years ago. Where there are different questions about when different sections were written at different times, but it's an old ancient Jewish text on mysticism, and it actually gives a, a date and says the the uh, basically the eighteen hundreds as put, puts it as a time. Uh, I've just got the line in here. The sixth century of the sixth millennium, which in the Jewish calendar comes up to like the 1800, give or take. The gates of wisdom will be open uh, uh, from some supernal, like godly wisdom. And earth, the springs of earthly wisdom will also be open, preparing the world to be elevated for the, the future. So technology like was predicted to be part of this, both the technological and scientific knowledge and also spiritual awareness uh, awakening up. So we really uh, embrace um, that. Although some rabbis, I'll say I don't speak for every rabbi. There are lots of, uh, there's even in the Orthodox, there's, uh, you know, different types and different opinions of this, but 
in my circles, um, that it's definitely all technology is embraced as that it can be used. And the reason it exists is to be used for good things. So Bitcoin and the technology of, of all of that and what else, whatever we can use, you know, medicine and everything to like, you know, what we're doing here, uh, you know, podcasting is all to, to do good things. On a sort of other extreme of that, you have, you know, communities like the Amish that are very uh, hesitant to take up any new technology, although they do have uh, processes by which they introduce new technologies. Um, are there any, you know, a, a new technology like Bitcoin comes on the scene? Uh, is there a so process? There, by- I, well, so, I mean, I wouldn't say that there's a process of vetting new technologies, um, it would be more of you of uh, because the tech that's the, the technology in and of itself exists for good. So it's more a vetting of how to use it for good. So like the same, you know, a, a nuclear energy can be used for nuclear bombs or nuclear energy. You know, the, the, the Internet can be used for lots of good things and lots of bad things. So it's a bit just about vetting it in that sense. But there are. Um, uh, even or the other Orthodox Jews that don't go so far as not using electricity, um, uh, but uh, you know, really uh, believe in sheltering themselves from uh, all forms of internet and all forms of like, which can be understandable when you kind of look at how much of the percentage of uh, the yeah. world is not in line with our values. The so internet is a horrible is place. I, I don't know why <laughs> Gentiles go on the internet. I don't know why anyone, <laughs> like even even the craziest nihilist atheist, why they would ever consider going on the internet, considering how awful of a place it is. Um, but here we are. Uh, I want, well, the, yes, and here we are. That's, you know, what they can't live with it, can't live without it. But uh, I was going to say that, so... Uh, I, I get you introduced me as the Bitcoin rabbi. Really, you know, I get the my friends and family and so fellow rabbis call me by my Hebrew name is Michael, which is the same as you, I guess, Michael. Mm-hmm. And then uh, my uh, you know mailman and doctor's office call me Michael because how it's written. But all the people that are that talk to me on the internet all just call me rabbi. So I do like that, you know, that all my students and uh, and strangers on the internet replying to my tweet tweets all call me rabbi. So that's kind of good. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I think I think that uh, it, it, part part of why why that is, I think, is that it's like rare to find any kind of religious leader who is interested in Bitcoin, right? Like I have looked seen... for a Bitcoin imam and a Bitcoin priest. Reverend, uh, yeah, I haven't we, seen we did find a Bitcoin rabbi, a cardinal. <laughs> uh, so yeah. yeah, I mean that's the thing. I'm definitely not the biggest rabbi and uh, biggest well-respected rabbi. I'm definitely not the biggest well-respected Bitcoiner, but I think I just found that niche so far that uh, at least I'm. Like I said, I've got a chat group with lots of guys who's plenty of who are rabbis or could be rabbis uh, who are both into bitcoin or crypto and but you know i wanted to come out and actually when i uh, when i decided to do this i i thought about for a second you know what i should should i call myself should i be the the crypto rabbi the big and i and i like took a hard took a hard stand that uh you know i was gonna uh, just you know i wanted to talk about bitcoin some that i something that i believe in and that i'm you know feel comfortable talking about 
Uh, even so, I have a presentation that I've started. I gave it over once. I'm going to be doing it. I gave it to my high school students. Uh, it's called Bitcoin and Judaism, and I'm going to be doing it again um, for uh, like college students. Um, and I'm hoping to to give it around uh, for a few different places. Um, to, you know, get some, if you, if anybody is, uh, in the New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, Massachusetts area, and you have a, a Jewish youth or college group, and you want me to come talk to them about Judaism and Bitcoin, that's what I'm trying to do. Um, so I, I didn't mention any altcoins anywhere in it for the first time I did the presentation and somebody was like, you have to say something. So you have to like, you can't just pretend like they don't exist. And I was like, why not? So, so I just, so I put in uh, just a page with like, you know, all the top 50 uh, logos or something. And like, I put a line in my presentation. I'm like, you know, because Bitcoin is so popular and so technology, technology is so revolutionary. A lot of spinoffs like Ripple, Dogecoin and Denticoin have tried to use this uh, technology to go, go in different directions. So far, none of them have been able to, uh, to prove anything, but we'll still, there's time will tell. Yeah. So that's how uh, I, you know, put my uh, until then put a little the asterisk in there. They're the trait of crypto. <laughs> Stay away. <laughs> yeah. What well, What are um, some of the big takeaways uh, in your talk on on Bitcoin and Judaism? Like, what are what are some of the biggest connections you see? So, I, well, first of all, the, if this uh, is a little stretch, but the whole Judaism is really like a blockchain. And why is it? Because one, we, we have like a uh, 5,000 year uh, tradition and we, we actually call the, we, we have, we know the names of the rabbis from each generation going back to Moses. We have a tradition, it's called a Masora, a tradition, and it's also called a uh, Shalshelis, a chain. That's literally the word that's used of the uh, chain of uh, the Jewish tradition, because it's not enough to, we don't, it's not enough just to have the books. You actually have to have the rabbis who explain, and I mean like the big rabbis that are like mm -hmm. leaders of the generation, not, not like me, but, uh, you know, like the, you know, worldwide famous rabbis that explain and give, uh, you know, the people that I go to and ask for advice from. Um, so each generation is basically like a block, um, that is uh, produced by the miners who are the rabbis. Um, and, uh, they, the, I, I think the header of each block in Bitcoin is connects it to the previous block. Is that how it works? Yeah. It's part so, of the, yeah. So, so every, if you look at basically every single Jewish commentary from, you know, every generation, it starts and continuously references the, the generation before it, which references the generation before it. So it really does, uh, work like a chain like that. Um, the 613 commandments basically correlate to the 21 million cap. We have 613 mitzvos, the commandments in the Torah that we don't add them. We don't take them away. Uh, that's like the basis of the whole thing. Um, and the Torah itself is, we've had the same book for, for 3000 years, which it itself is a, an immutable ledger or an immutable, uh, document and, uh, or alternatively are all of, uh, there are lots of, uh, um, uh, verses that say, you know, are that uh, every deed that we do is written in a book and that, you know, it's part of our, uh, that God is watching over us and watching our deeds for the good and for the not good. And so that's like the immutable ledger. And also uh, the way Orthodox, you'll notice there are lots of different types of uh, Jewish people that 
dress differently and talk differently and have different customs, but we do uh, ha still have consensus. So like an, a Sephardic Jew, an Ashkenazi Jew, a Hasidic Jew, um, all different kinds of people, they can all like come together and pray together and eat together because even though we're different, we have consensus and we don't like hard forks. We, uh, we, we, you know, we, people can be different and they can have different opinions, but you still kind of have to stay within consensus. So that's how Judaism as a whole kind of represents uh, blockchain. Um, but I think that it's, uh, I think in my presentation, I'm really just showing how we got from, uh, from uh, silver coins to fiat money. I really do talk a lot about a big bulk of it in the middle is just about how we got from uh, from hard money to to fiat money and why Bitcoin solves that and gives us the advantage. So I'm really talking about that uh, from uh, from that perspective. Um, but also a lot of Jews can relate to the idea of being uh, unconfiscatable. Um, which apparently isn't actually a real word. It's non-confiscatable, but I like unconfiscatable. That's uh, I think Tun Base uh, made that word up, and it'll stick. Yeah, it's it it has stuck. Yeah, it's a so it uh, the, I mean, Jews have lived for the past two thousand years. We've been pretty much in exile from our homeland, um, from Israel, and uh, we've had to live in like dozens and dozens of different countries, and have been kicked out of almost every single one. So the idea of like leaving, getting kicked out of Spain, getting kicked out of Portugal, getting, you know, having your money that you have it and it doesn't belong to the government and they can't take it from you. And if you need to, you can just leave. I mean, even, you know, my grandparents were born, you know, during the World War II and the Holocaust and had to leave uh, Russia and Germany and all the different, you know, it, it's a real thing. I mean, thank God we live in America. And in a, it, by Jews, we call America Medina Shal Chesed, the the kind, the country of kindness. That it's a, I mean, it's a it's a good place to live, you know. And it's been good to the Jews that we've been here. And in a relatively speaking, even the monetary policy isn't as bad as other places, and the freedom is a lot better. So we really appreciate living here, and we don't. Uh, you know, I grew up, never had to run from anywhere, and have lived in comfort. But we even we just know we know that that concept exists because it happened so recently and it happened in our family. So I think that that's something that maybe even older uh, people who have a hard time appreciating things about uh, Bitcoin, the technology wise might appreciate that concept of it. Um, I also, Judaism is a, uh, and if you get confused by this word, Judaism is a messianic religion. We believe it's in Hebrew, it's called the Mashiach. It means the Messiah. We believe that the world is going to eventually come to world peace, prosperity, uh, you know, and and technology is part of that. And I think Bitcoin can be part of that, that people would, you know, eventually, and this could be in the way down the line, or who knows, but, you know, people will uh, be better and countries will be better. And so just that, that's what Bitcoin has a goal of doing that. And just the fact that it's even trying to accomplish that makes it like a positive thing in my perspective. So yeah, those it, are basically the, the that those are basically uh, you know the topics that I uh, put in my uh, presentation. I kind of leave it as a question of like these are the positive things about it. This is what I you know, and uh, you can decide what to you know if you want to be part of that or you know I don't like force it uh, that you have to agree with this. It's interesting too because a lot of the critics of Bitcoin have um, criticized how it it 
it at least um, has kind of a religious aspect to Bitcoin in the sense of like Satoshi Nakamoto being this pseudonymous founder that's like that is like a messiah that you know presented these rules from uh, on high, and that we we also have this like future hyper Bitcoinization where like you know it it is kind of um, you know from a Christian perspective like evangelical like uh, you know. Well, that the, the the Christian perspective is is similar, you know. Yeah. We, in uh, Messiah, like we believe that the world will get to a uh, you know to a utopian place, and, and it'll be a comment on whether it's miraculous or this, uh, yeah. you know, uh, technical technical advancements. And it's it's weird to me that uh, critics of Bitcoin point this out as a criticism when it's like, well, yeah, we we want the world to be in a, in, to improve and to like be a better place in the future. So I mean, if that is what we have in common with a religion, then that seems like it's a completely innocuous observation. Sound like a religious extremist? Yeah, but yeah. but we oh, yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, we've also been accused of like being a cult and uh, be worshiping Bitcoin and kind of like seeing it as the answer to everything. Well, it's it's. I mean, it's fun. It's a lot of fun, and the memes are great. That's the and like it's and for me like it's basically good kosher fun. Like it's you know I'm not into sports and I'm not into TV and movies and stuff. So I really like. Uh, you know, the community and just like the, I like, it's meaningful. You, you know, I used to be more interested in and listening to a lot more like politics podcasts, but like, it's just the same thing over and over again. And it's not getting anywhere. And like, what can you do to make it better? Like Bitcoin actually is doing something and going mm -hmm. in a direction and like has, there is a real plan there for how it can uh, improve people's lives. Well, to bring this back to an earlier uh, thing we touched on with, you know, we joked that the internet is, you know, such a terrible place. And why, why are any of us on it in the first place? But like, uh, I've noticed that of all the sort of online communities that I've, I've dabbled in, you know, over my many, many years on the internet, uh, the Bitcoin community has definitely been just like the most positive And uh, as you say, sort of like, you know, uh, <laughs> actually going somewhere like there's actual like when you're in the bitcoin community there actually is a feeling of connectedness to all the people we show up anywhere in the world and we have a bunch of friends who we're you know best buddies with and we're all we're also like actually building on something together and and trying to to build something great so uh it's actually i think very unique in my opinion among um internet communities yeah, when you meet, when you know, you know, a real Bitcoiner, you basically know a few, a good amount of things about them already, like about their beliefs. Similar, I mean, in that same way that like when I meet a fellow religious Jew, I know by, you know, by what kind of hat he's wearing and, you know, different things. I know like certain things about him, uh, you know, him or her just based on uh, that, just that knowledge alone. So you also know that about a Bitcoiner a lot of times. So there is a camaraderie in that but i also feel like it's been a really welcoming and i think that like for all of the uh criticism of the uh what is it called the toxic that toxic. it's called a, a <laughs> yeah that it's a toxic place and i would expect i really i've been you know posting in public i've not received one thing that was even slightly anti-semitic anything like 
and you know rude and I, you see this all like it's a like a meme that on the internet don't read the comments you know don't and like i would have expected something i'm sure it's out there but like i've only gotten like if you come and you just want to be positive and you know join and not uh you know claim that you not not sell anybody anything and not you know sk- try and like scam anybody or like shill your bags then it's just kind of a positive and fun a place to be so like I like it and I'm hoping to get uh, more more involved I live in upstate New York so there's un- I haven't found anything around me here but close enough to the city uh, and I actually did a uh, us uh, uh get a ticket so I'm hoping that's like in the summer to come to see a uh, safedine and uh, uh you know maybe something before that also but uh you know so far I've just had a positive experience with uh, bitcoiners so you, not, you despite what people think, I've not found that crypto and Bitcoin is anti-Semitic, <laughs> what, uh, despite what some people may have said. Yeah, it's funny because I've, I've, I've said my fair share of uh, very controversial things over the years, and I've never received a single death threat. I've never received a threat against my family. Like I've I've never really gotten anything. It's maybe it's disappointing. Like maybe I should dial it up a little bit, be a little, <laughs> be a little more acrimonious uh, and a little troll a little more. Um but you know, I don't feel like I've held back on anyone, um, and and yet uh, no death threats yet. And the other thing too is that, like you mentioned, uh, you know, people not shilling their bags. And part of I think why Bitcoiners get accused of toxicity is when someone does shill their bags and they kind of get told to scram uh, and that they're like not welcome here. Do you think there's a parallel between that and like monotheism, uh, between Bitcoin maximalism and one God? <laughs> um, uh, I I don't know that it gets that that you have that similar uh experience because it's not like if your Jewish people come in and start are like, hey, have you tried out you know this idol? Like you don't get that uh, so much. But so, they, they would I'm not sure, be I'm sure Abraham had had to deal with a little bit of. That. Oh yeah, Abra- Well, <laughs> Abraham's father was a idol dealer. He was an idol. He ran an idol shop, and it's a famous uh, story, actually, that he that uh, he put Abraham in charge, um, and uh, and left him. He was like a teenager, I guess, and Abraham uh, smashed all of them. Uh, I guess they're like clay or stone. Uh, he smashed all of them except a big one, and he put the mallet in the hand of the big idol. And his dad came back, and he's like, "What did you do?" And he's like, "I didn't do it. The big guy did it." He got up. They just fought with he, he. You know, he got upset with. The, he got jealous of the rest of them. Um, so that was like uh, his. Uh, his Abraham saying. was the first Bitcoin maximalist. He was well. He was definitely. He was definitely a monotheist ma- maximalist. I have my Twitter handle is a Torah maximalist because I. You know that's a. Uh, uh, that was that's my play on it, but I'm uh, I am also uh, you know not not to listen. I'll just be frank. My religion to me and my belief in God is more important to me than Bitcoin. <laughs> but I like the coin. Yeah, a lot. I don't want to. I, I don't, don't want to get you in trouble here. Uh, yeah, no, and, uh, but that's the thing. I don't think that they uh, conflict with each other. And uh, you know, it's, uh, I I hope God should protect me from making uh, from making uh, inappropriate jokes, which is mm-hmm. bound to happen eventually. I'm sure I'll eventually get in trouble for making a, a comparison that's like a little too comfortable. So uh, I ask for forgiveness in advance. But uh, I think I, that's I've I've done my research, and there's a lot of more. We in our WhatsApp 
WhatsApp chat group. We're like discussing uh, Jewish legal perspectives of Bitcoin and cryptocurrency in general, um, like from different angles, because there's Judaism, I think is different than other religions, um, that it's a, in, a deeply uh, legalistic and like full uh, life uh, perspective like it has governing rules and and financial and courts and I guess some somewhat similar to Islam um but uh so there are, there's a lot of ways that uh Bitcoin can fit into it um and uh you know that it can be analyzed and there's barely anything like there's barely anything written so far there's like a couple things that analyze that basically say right now Bitcoin is from a Jewish perspective um a commodity and not a currency. Um, which is basically how the government treats it. And like, you know, that's pretty standard. And arguably that's what it is, right? That it has not become a currency yet. It's on its way to being one. But in the meantime, it, it shouldn't necessarily be analyzed as, as you would analyze a currency like silver um, that is kind of fully matured. Um, one of the questions uh, from a, a, a Jewish law perspective is, is mining on Shabbos allowed? Um, mining on Shabbos, I would think it would be allowed because you're allowed to, uh, so on Shabbos, we do, we don't use electronics or anything like that, but you're allowed to leave things running. So you're allowed to leave your lights on in your house and they are running. Um, you're allowed to leave the heat on in your house or, or something like that. Um, you know, leave, uh, even, uh, an oven on and have the food stay in. So I don't think there's a problem with having your computer, running and running its mining uh at that point i'm i feel pretty confident about that but uh, even if there was if it would the, the one thing would be if, like if it was a business um and it's a business producing money there might be there might you might have to get some uh judaism and the legalities has is famous for its loopholes so there might be some uh ways that if you if it is and if you have a business and it's considered like you're running your business on Shabbos that might be problematic um but i don't know i mean my computer runs on Shabbos i think everybody has their computer running on Shabbos um you know i don't shut down my website uh you know yeah. there there it can get if you if you sell things if you sell products uh it does get a little problematic if you have a website and you sell things on Shabbos um you have to like basically sell you have to sell ownership of your business to a not Jewish person so that they can run it and then you buy it back from them after Shabbos it's like one of the ways that it's set up to do it interesting so i guess you would have the same issues with uh routing payments as a lightning node it it might be the yeah it might be the same it would probably be in the same category if yeah. it's problematic so so you can leave your computer on but you you can't be on it yeah you can't you we don't interact with electricity okay. you can gotcha. you can just leave it running so instead of a, a Shabbos school you get a Shabbos bot yeah and you just get it get it running and doing the things you need done on on Shabbat. A little Python. You story. know that's going to be a big question. I mean, there's going to be when uh, when uh, robots are really. I mean, I actually have a. I've got a couple Roombas, um, and uh, the the it's going to get more complicated when both when there are uh, robots are more prevalent uh -huh. and when um, uh, bionics and like uh, implants are are more prevalent. There are going to be a lot more questions. I'm not. Uh, expert enough 
or qualified enough to make like broad statements about that. But I know that those are going to be upcoming questions over the next decades or so as as they come into play. Yeah, that's very interesting. Uh, that same person also had a question. Uh, I, I actually don't know how to pronounce this. I think it's ribis or... Uh... Ribis means interest. Yeah, yeah so ribis is, is, is there interest. a problem with uh, ribis when running an LN channel? No, because you're not... I mean, interest... You can take uh, interest is practically interest. You're, you're, and it's that you are not allowed to. Uh, a Jew is not allowed to uh, to take interest when they give a loan, a personal loan to a fellow Jew. Um, they just have to get back the original invest, the original thing. It's because it's considered like a brotherly thing to do. Um, for business reasons, there are. Uh, again, there are other ways to do it. If it's business, like if it's, it's not really an interest, it's like a business investment. So you're getting paid for your investment. So there are ways, but in this case, if you're not, it's not, and you are taking a fee for, mm -hmm. uh, like it's the same thing paid. as a minor fee. Like it's not, that wouldn't fall into that category at all. I, I feel pretty confident about that. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's a very interesting distinction of the personal loan versus the, uh, the, the business loan. Um, because yeah. the, most, the most common um, counter argument to that is just that it's a it's a denial of the time value of money. Um, but in this case, yeah. it's it's not really uh, because it's just it's just saying that uh, if it's you know if it's you know a family member who needs you know a hundred bucks, it's not yeah. cool of you. It's probably not a moral <laughs> thing to do to be like, hey, give me hundred fifty back, thanks. Yeah, that's that. That's the idea that you're supposed to uh, to with your your brother, your brethren. You're supposed to you know help them out when they need it. That's the idea there. So another question from uh, Apex Bitcoino: uh, Can we talk about Bitcoin during Yom Kippur? Yom Kippur? And you you gave him a, a response. Of, you responded with another question. Very Jewish of me yeah, to respond to a question. Definitely the Bitcoin rabbi. Question. <laughs> <laughs> I like somebody tweeted out at me uh, a couple of weeks ago that was like, if if Jews ran Bitcoin, there would be three, you know, there'd be three, two Jews ran Bitcoin, there'd be three forks, you know, <laughs> the two Jews, three opinions that, um, so, uh, so, the, so I couldn't, he said, can you talk about Bitcoin on Yom Kippur? So I don't know if he means like if that if it was Yom Kippur, would you be allowed to talk about Bitcoin? Generally, you on Yom Kippur, which is the Day of Atonement, pretty much just supposed to be talking about a uh, prayer and repentance. So I wouldn't recommend uh, talking about Bitcoin on that day. And if he's asking about are you allowed to run Bitcoin, that's kind of the same question. Yom Kippur is a holiday that's that's observed just like uh, Shabbos, so we don't do uh, mm. electronics or anything. Mm -hmm. So. That answers either way he was asking that. Yeah, I've been I've been at uh, you know Shabbat lunches and stuff before, and uh, you know of course I was talking about Bitcoin. Why would I be talking about anything else? Uh, <laughs> and someone kind of scolded me, you know, like why are you talking business on Shabbat? As if I, I don't know if there's like a, a sort of rule against that. I would imagine so because you're not supposed to be working. And I had to explain that, no, this is more of a religious discussion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I struggle with this myself, to be honest. Um, I don't think of it. I mean, yeah, you, we don't talk about business matters. I wouldn't talk about money or the stock market or something like that. But like, 
this is more, like I think of it as more like a. Re- I mean, it's it's cliche, but it's like it's like a revolution. It's like it's just like it is. Uh, so I don't know. I could be wrong about that. It's probably better to. Can, not are you talk allowed to so talk about, about politics or technology? That is. I mean, so that I mean, really, ideally, you're on, on Shabbos is like a holy day. You're yeah. supposed to talk about holy matters. Ideally, yeah. uh, under level under that is talk about like chatty things you yeah. know uh but people do i mean it's 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 a fact people do talk about politics talk about what what's going on in the news because it's also the one day of week where uh where everybody's off work and you get to you see all your friends and you oh what's just happened my uh my screen just went uh, black um i'm good though um but uh so p- people do you know i it's there are better things to talk about. I try yeah. not to talk that much, but I inevitably end up talking something about Bitcoin, just like I talk about like something in the news. Not the best thing in the world, not the worst. Also, my my follow. Oh uh, well, my follow question was going to be: Is is there a Jewish holiday that is ideally suited for talking about Bitcoin? <laughs> so um, I can note it on my calendar. Yeah. Well, uh, pr- probably Purim, but well, no, Hanukkah. Hanukkah is about money. Uh, I, I posted like uh, it's about gold coins. Like, what could be better about it than uh, that? Um, some, yeah, some Jewish holiday. Actually, today is a Jewish holiday. Today is uh, Tu B'Shvat. Happy Tu B'Shvat. It's the uh, New Year for the trees, which is a holiday that's about um, uh, like the basically the tax. Uh, fiscal New Year and for accounting purposes for agriculture. There are a lot of agricultural laws in Israel, like about giving tithes and things like that. So it's the uh, it's the New Year as far as that's considered, because this is when the trees re- just barely start um, blossoming. Um, obviously, so it's not it's not like a, a Shabbat day, like that we can we work on this day and use electricity and stuff, but. I did see that, uh, and, and uh, Michael, we mentioned that, like, what, what we're doing here is we're planting seeds. And um, there is, you know, with this, and we're hopefully, like, some, some Jewish people see this and, you know, see that Bitcoin could be for them also. But there's a famous story that, uh, and you've probably heard it in non-Jewish context of, like, an old man planting a tree. And people came up to him and said, like, what are you planting this tree for? You're not, are you going to eat? You think you're going to live long enough to eat the fruits from this tree. And he said, when I was born, there were trees there that were planted by my ancestors. And so I'm planting trees for my children that they'll have it. And so, you know, with Bitcoin, I don't know if, I don't know when hyper Bitcoinization is going to happen. Uh, but I know that, uh, I wish I had, uh, you know, I, I, I have uh, five kids. I wish I had like a lot of Bitcoin for all of them. That's a part of having a lot of kids that like, you know, you have to kind of divide up your Bitcoin for each of them. My daughter, she asked me, uh, like, uh, uh, I don't know, recently, she was like, do you want, do you think that I should get Bitcoin? I was like, you already have Bitcoin. Don't, don't worry. She's five. So, uh, that's that, cute. Uh, yeah. It's very low time preference. Uh, yeah, that's the whole notion. And that also ties in with a lot of Bitcoin discussions, um, around, you know, what we're here for. Yeah, definitely long, you know, that it's, uh, and yeah, that's, I think Jews have always kind of had like long saving and long-term thinking and like well that's what that's what happens when your culture and society is like a 5,000 year old like uh directly linked uh community like you realize that 
things are take time take time and things progress and uh you know and you and that the main thing that you invest in is your children and like you know the future and the the way the world's going to be so i uh the, i see a brighter somebody i just heard on recently on um marty bent's podcast he had mm-hmm. one just put out and there was an older gentleman uh bitcoin tina yep. and he said like uh, he said, I really like that. Cause I think he's probably around the same age. My father and kind of reminded me of, uh, that, like a, a conversation with Marty and him and like me and my father kind of similar age. Uh, and, uh, he said like before Bitcoin came around, I was pretty pessimistic about the world. Like I didn't know where we were going and that changed. I wouldn't say that I was pessimistic. I, cause I wasn't, I'm pretty optimistic and, but I can see that somebody, you know, who didn't know, like, how are things going to get better? Like, you know, that this kind of puts it in that direction. Yeah, for sure. Likewise, I like when I was into, uh, you know, obviously I still am into Austrian economics and libertarianism and whatnot. Like I thought like the financial system has to collapse for gold to come back. Um, But now with Bitcoin, it's like now actually we can just build a better system in parallel and transition people over to this better system over a period of decades and that nothing really has to collapse. All we do is just migrate to a new money. Yeah, that that sounds a lot more a lot uh, more fun uh, to, <laughs> to just go in that way. And uh, so, speaking of where is about a low time preference, I would have a, a this uh, except for the the Lightning Network that really messes with the. Uh, it's like all of a sudden I would take co- coins and and put them on hot wallets and spend them on stuff. Like I don't know what I'm. Why, why, why are we even doing this? Like, I- <laughs> yeah, I, I, I asked myself that same question. Uh, and I've got now one of the largest uh, lightning routing nodes. And I don't quite know why. Yeah. Uh, it's really yeah, I'm connected to you. It's a really I've, reckless uh, thing liquidity. to do. Uh, I, and I, I've got the I've got the two way liquidity, so I can even I can receive. I don't think I've received any. I mean, I don't do much with it. I yeah. I set it up. I bought my stickers and I bought a hat, and I'm like, great. I'm not interested in spending any more Bitcoin for the next twenty years. Just glad that this worked. Like, well, if you want us to like send some back and forth, uh, just to <laughs> test it out some more, I'm, ha- I'm more than happy to. Um, but yeah, I mean, you, like like you said, like you're glad it works, like because it's at some point in the future if we it might be our children, it might be their grandchildren, where like Bitcoin has reached its full value. And, you know, we don't expect uh, grandiose adoption anymore. Uh, and at that point, you know, it does make sense to go and diversify and use that money, uh, whether it's for investment yeah, sure. or consumption. Um, and yeah, then know that there's going to be a way to do it in, in, in a very nice way to do it, I might add, because of Lightning's, you know, properties and it's still decentralized and 100% reserve and all. Yeah, I mean the yeah, and- uh, the the uh, <laughs> kind of lost myself. Uh, yeah, I mean, like Pierre was saying, you know, building building a parallel system, Lightning Network is that parallel system for various you know payment networks. Um, it doesn't mean you know even even if you set up a channel now, it can just be a small channel just to sort of you know show that it works and and play with it. Uh, but it's really you know in my opinion that. The biggest thing is just that it's there um, for when people need it. 
Yeah, I mean, it's awesome. It really, I, I, you know, I, I love what you're doing, Pierre. And, and, and we have to, at some point, we're going to uh, talk about uh, opening up the uh, Brooklyn uh, Hasidic Jewish uh, programming course and get uh, some of these guys uh, in on it. Because uh, that's, there's definitely a lot of potential of um, some smart kids that would be uh, appropriate for this field. That would definitely be a great thing. Yeah, I don't know I, any, I'm, I'm a web designer. I, I make WordPress websites. I do like video editing. That's my, I'm, I'm a, I'm a teacher. Like I'm a Rebbe in a, in a day school in the mornings. And then I do, uh, my wife and I do graphic design and web design in the afternoons, but I just know like HTML and CSS and, you know, some JavaScript, not, not much beyond that. Hey, those are pretty important. I like, I'm the inverse of that. Like, it's a struggle for me when I get into the CSS and the HTML, and that's that's when I I, I get a front end person like yourself to to help me out. <laughs> Pushing pixels around is very hard. Uh, yeah, it is. I mean, it's but uh, the websites uh, have gotten a lot easier and a lot. Yeah. I mean, it's a uh, it's cool. It's uh, that's a I love that. You know, we uh, we work from home. Like we have our own business. Like I love this. Bitcoin also kind of fits in this of like. Everyone can have their own website. Everyone can have their own business. Everyone can, you know, be connected, like be decentralized and be autonomous. And then you can have your own money like that also. Like it really does fit in with the, uh, with like everything else that's going on. It's a homegrown revolution. Uh, yeah, yeah, it is. Uh, I mean, I, yeah, I would, I'm, I, I know that there are people now that I talk to that are still like somewhat interested in Bitcoin. And it's like, I know that they'll get in, like, they didn't, they didn't know anything about it for the last bull run. And like, now they've got the seeds planted and like, there are plenty of people, I think like, it's hard to imagine what it's going to, you know, when and what, but like, it's going to be pretty it's going to be pretty fun. Although I've loved this bear market. Like I thought, uh, you know, in December of last year of 2017, I was like, well, I guess that's it. I've got all the Bitcoin I'll ever have. And, uh, I can't, and I got here like a few months before basically the chance was over. And, uh, I, I felt like, like, awesome. Now I've got a, you know, like a whole new opportunity to like dollar cost average. And like, that's what I've been, you know, that's people that they're like, you're still doing that. And, you know, cause for like three months I was like the Bitcoin guy at Shul. I still am at my synagogue. I still am, but uh, some people just don't notice or doesn't don't hear about it as much. So, so they're like, "Is that still a thing?" I'm like, "Yeah, it's still a still a big big thing," and uh, you know. So there, I think people there will be a lot people will be ready a lot more, and I'll be ready like for for the next time. I've been doing a lot of prepare. I mean, I spent this year like um, learning. You know, I mean, that's I I don't remember what month I found your guys podcast i think the really the thing that i first started um getting in is like listening to things was probably tone vase like probably in like tone vase and jimmy song um and i i was trying to figure all of this stuff out by the um by like the because of uh 2x like i did not know what a node was i didn't know why why would we not want like i didn't understand why wouldn't you want more transactions why wouldn't this like how consensus worked how hard forked work and like where do you go and then you go to bitcoin you go to reddit and our bitcoin and our btc and like it was genuinely confusing and um like i had to find uh you know your podcast 
and uh, tone base and like listen, you know, just go on uh, the internet because because uh, Andreas, we loved him for like he's perfect for that like first couple months in like really got inspiring and all that, but like I don't he, he doesn't post stuff every day and like I wouldn't go to him like for my day to day uh, you know Bitcoin uh, stuff now like you know like as a Bitcoin maximalist. Um, but, uh, you know, I loved listening to him and then I kind of like, you know, I loved, you know, listening to you. I've listened to, I guess, all of your interview podcasts on like a lot of, uh, tone base and a lot of, uh, um, I'm trying to think on the top of my head and like Twitter, basically, I really like Dan Held and, uh, you know, uh, VJ boy, yeah, like uh, I just, yeah, I've, it's been, there's so much great information and I've just loved that. I've been able to come in here and just get everything uh, about it over the past year. So that's the bear market has been really good for me in both of those, uh, financially and educationally. Absolutely. I have just a sort of kind of open question. I don't even know if you necessarily have an answer, but uh, with regards to trying to interpret Bitcoin from, you know, a, a Jewish and a Talmudic and, you know, Jewish law perspective, you know, is there anything that Bitcoin sort of, uh, I don't want to say overturns, but kind of brings new light to and makes you rethink? Um, religiously, I, I wouldn't say that it really changes anything about that. Um, I mean, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm pretty, uh, I, I, it has made me rethink about the role of technology in the, uh, you know, the future, uh, messianic era and how that I, I always did know that like, it's like the, there will be no, uh, you know, war, there will be no, uh, uh, illness. Like, well, there are ways you can conceptualize like how medicine, how it could be one miraculous, or it could be through science and technology and it or a combination of both. You don't say, you don't have to believe either in miracles or it could be that all of these things can work in ways that we can't understand. And, and that it did, it has made me think about how that could be part of, um, of, of a future that like is peaceful and prosperous. Um, and you know, people are free and cooperate together. Uh, so that is, I mean, for the, my, you know, core religious belief doesn't, doesn't, that's it, it fits in fine. Like mm -hmm. it, 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 it doesn't conflict with anything. Um, you know, uh, so it just like, fits fits nice and comfortably like i i haven't felt like i've had i felt like i could you know genuinely be like the bitcoin rabbi and i'm not uh i'm not uh um compromising anything uh not any uh, you sort know, of I'm not, yeah like that's uh, i'm sure someone will call me and i'm sure any anyone you know like people will have different opinions but i feel comfortable about being in this space and like talking to you guys and being on this podcast and and you know i i feel like that i'm doing a not just an okay thing but i think that i'm doing a positive thing by talking to bitcoiners about judaism and talking to jewish people about bitcoin i think both of those i think like i feel like i'm a two-way uh ambassador that like you know, I can uh, connect between these two worlds and uh, talk to the pe people about what they, you know, need to hear and what, you know, teach. So it's, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to be in this uh, role that I am. You're, you're a well-balanced channel, bi-directional. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a great way to put it. 
that's definitely yeah and i i like uh, you know i also what i also like about following you is um uh, yesterday you posted a picture of uh 55 middle schoolers who got stuck on their way to toronto and uh you you had to like pull together a bunch of food for them uh because they were stuck in the snow and they're all you know with their thumbs up uh with their smiles and it was just like a nice picture to see in my feed uh because again the internet's a terrible place and you know seeing someone <laughs> that i know like doing something good for a bunch of kids is like uh yeah it, it uh, put a smile on my face made my day well, that's really nice. Yeah, I, I, I actually, I have got a, I don't have my picture as my avatar, but I'm one of the non-anonymous, uh, uh, you know, people. I think I thought originally of like ha being anonymous or like not so much, but like didn't really work. And like, I'm going to be, I speak in places and like, I want people to contact me and like, I want to uh, be, you know, I'm going to go and meet people and like, I'm, I'll eventually see you, probably both of you in person at some point. So yeah, I, you know, I like to, put my, you know, be out there and like talk about other, mostly Bitcoin and Judaism, but like whatever, anything else uh, funny is going on yeah. as well. Yeah. People talk about like OPSEC and, you know, you should use a pseudonym on Twitter so that people don't, but I, I really haven't had any issues with using my real identity over the past five years now. Um, now I granted, I do know of other people who have had issues um, like Jameson Lop, his house got swatted. Uh, and yeah, that's, that's I, a terrible situation. Um, but I statistically like, I, I, I feel okay using my real identity in that regard. Yeah. That's, uh, I mean, that's the kind of, uh, I can't really hide or, you know, uh, or, you know, I can be picked out of a crowd pretty easily. Uh, so OPSEC isn't going to work, uh, so well for me. So that's, uh, you just kind of embrace it. Uh, yeah, that's, uh, the you know when i go you'll you'll know when you see me at whatever bitcoin the thing and i assume whatever people that don't even interact with me but see me on twitter you know be like oh, yeah i guess that's the bitcoin rabbi i saw him <laughs> you know on twitter i guess that's unless there are two of them i don't know yeah well it's eventually there will be you know yeah, there will be uh like like jimmy song wears a cowboy hat you know so that like people can pick him out of a crowd pretty easily um and you likewise uh yeah i, I wear a uh, i wear a fedora i'm not yeah. wearing it right now but uh that's my that's my go-to uh you know signature until signature you go hat. to the uh to the tel aviv bitcoin embassy where you'll just be one in a million <laughs> well that's not really true michael no? you, you could probably agree with this uh, yeah. tel, tel aviv is a very secular oh, non-religious very jewish city it is like by definition uh so there probably were some really are some religious people that go there or maybe go for bigger events i know my brother does has been there a couple times but he showed up for the uh i mean he my brother is a religious jew like like i am yeah he has a beard and uh and a yarmulke and uh and he uh came there like for the bitcoin uh for january 3rd um for the genesis block party and he was like oh this is a rave I, uh, I can't go. I'm not going to a rave party. I'll like, <laughs> I'll, I'll see you guys later. I'm going home. To, uh, yeah. I will celebrate the uh, Bitcoin uh, anniversary on Twitter. It, it is quite striking the difference, you know, uh, between say Jerusalem and Tel Aviv. Yeah, they are. Yeah. Jerusalem. My, my brother used to live in Jerusalem. I lived in a little village where I went to Yeshiva um like a village of a couple thousand families and then he lived in jerusalem and uh so that i would visit him all the time but that was my main place uh 
but uh, I did. I actually we would do some. Uh, my where I went to school was uh, just a train ride away from Tel Aviv, so we would go there and actually do um, religious outreach um, with uh, like tel secular Tel Aviv guys, and uh, you know give give out uh, holiday items and things like that. Uh, so I did. That was my main reason for going to Tel Aviv. Yeah. Um, let's see. Did we have other questions in that thread? I don't want to miss anyone's question. Uh, there had been a question about, uh, is a double spend via a 51% attack oh, yeah. considered Geneva? That is, yeah, Geneva theft. Geneva. That's a really great question. And in general, Bitcoin theft. Um, it, 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 because it, the idea is that the possession is um, is uh, is when you possess the keys, like your key, those are your keys, those are your Bitcoin. Um, so I would think that it is theft because theft is a, is there still is. I mean, in Bitcoin, it's not technically theft, but theft is a question of government. Like, does government? Uh, or or of of not just Bitcoin consensus, but of global consensus, you know, does. So if you are supposed to own something like even if somebody tricked you like and got around the system, kind of like if somebody, you know, hacked your computer or if somebody whatever, you know, hacked a website and got themselves a, a plane ticket or something like that, could they I, I would think that that would still be considered theft. At that point, if you did something dishonest or something that, you know, like you spent Bitcoin and then did a 51% attack and then your coins went back, like that would mm -hmm. still, that would be theft in that case. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, because if if you're doing a double spend with a 51%, let's say you're just, you know, buying, buying a, a coffee because you really like buying yeah. coffee with Bitcoin somehow. Um, you like buying caught and then you like 51% attacking the net the, the hash rate of the network to get the just price. To get, of that yeah, I just want because I want two copies. Um <laughs> <laughs> really like coffee. Um I don't actually, but anyway, like to that example, but someone is just buying something um and does that, they are trying to actively defraud uh that that company by by giving them money that they know will you know, hopefully not actually show up in their wallet. Um, meanwhile, I mean, the the one kind of edge case, I mean, you, you described as someone, you know, hacked into someone's computer. Now, if you just by almost miracle managed to come across a random number of 256 bits that when you turn it into a private key, you notice that there was a Bitcoin associated with it and then you spent it that's a little harder for me to to necessarily see as outright theft. It's a good but question. So there the is a there's a mitzvah of, of little. Yeah, there's a mitzvah. Well, yeah, it's virtually impossible. But but you whatever. If you just found uh, let's say if you found a uh, card that had twelve uh, keys on the on the ground or something. So there is a mitzvah of uh, of returning a lost object. Um, it gets complicated with money because you. Um, like with or cash because like how can a person claim that they but there are it basically if somebody can can genuinely claim like this is mine it's rightfully mine you do have an obligation to try to find the owner um so like you would sit you know public post on twitter or something like hey i found these uh you know i found this uh private key uh if you can you know 
uh, if you lost it, some way that someone, if they had it, they would be able to prove that it was there. So you would have right. an obligation to do that. And then if nobody claimed it, then you would be able to keep it. Yeah. Well, I guess with that, you could use the private key to sign a message saying that so that you've also proved right. that you, you actually do have the private key. Um, and yeah. you're publicly stating that uh, you want to help someone get it uh, back. I mean, what would, what would I, I'm sure there's all kinds of, you know, different contextual rules, but if that were the case, uh, like how, how long would you need to wait before just saying, oh, this is mine? Um, probably not that long. Uh, I, I don't know off the top of my head. So whatever would be considered, may, maybe it would be a week or something like that. I mean, if somebody lost money and you post on a public forum, I, I don't know if it would be you know, a week or 30 yeah. days or something, but probably not a, a very long time. The reason I ask in this extreme case, uh, the, 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 the key, it's, it's, it's not as though the person necessarily lost the money. It could be perfectly safe in in whatever cold storage they had. You just miraculously came up with the same private key, uh -huh. um, and so if you, you know how the it, that person, if they didn't lose it outright, is probably not going to be out looking for it, as opposed to someone if it was actually like if their computer was stolen from them, they're going to be out looking for beacons in the world of someone who says they found something. As opposed to this, where they're right. not looking for it. So I'd imagine in that case, you'd actually probably want to wait much longer. Right. Um, I hear what you're saying, because they, they're not. Um, yeah, I mean, I wonder if there's any kind of chain analysis where you would be able to find some way to connect, at least find wh what exchange they bought it from or something somehow to make it better or easier to, to get. But I would think that you would have to do something. You would have to do some kind of effort to find this to, to find out before you took it uh, whether or not it was abandoned because there is a concept basically when some when an object when a lost object is abandoned and has no hope of being found anymore then it's you know acceptable and that's the whole point of trying to find the person and if you don't find them that's what you assume is that you're never going to find them but you'd make some kind of effort uh, at first we'll have to come up with these uh, rules and the, you know, what, once it, when it happens the first time, you know, of uh, two private keys uh, matching each other, then we'll, we'll have to do, start developing these rules. Right. Right. Well, and, and, you know, the, the rabbis can rest in peace that that's uh, extremely <laughs> improbable. So the, the need yeah, to come I, up I'm with solutions to that <laughs> yeah. is, is not going to have to come anytime soon. Yeah, I saw somebody posted a question about giving um, tithes uh, on uh, Bitcoin mining, and the answer to that would be yes. That when you uh, it's that when you um, uh, make income, we give a ten percent tithe to charity. Uh, that would pr it would probably be after taxes. Um, so you would have to kind of figure out but it, it, how you would be doing that. You wouldn't necessarily have to sell the Bitcoin. You maybe could make a um, a charitable fund or something where you kind of put it off to the side and then at some point sell it all and, and give it, but it has to be uh, like marked off that from your regular savings. So that's for, for Bitcoin miner. I mean, similar to taxes, it's, it's, it's like a, basically a, the same system. Um, cool. Um, well, we're coming up on an hour at this point. I think we're 
Are we past an hour? Yeah, we're past an hour. Okay, we're an hour and ten yeah. minutes. I like I like the long noted podcast because that 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 knows that that's an indication of uh, the conversation. Yeah, I feel it's been great. I like I'm so glad that I got to talk to you guys and like be uh, you know be part of this. It really is when I the first time we talked on the on the phone, Pierre. I was like, I feel like I'm talking. I feel like I'm listening to the noted podcast. <laughs> Yeah, I um, recently someone recognized my voice. Wow, it was it was, it was very strange. Um, you both have pretty lovely. recognizable voices. You, yeah, I, I, I get. Could, I could we've got some signature well. signature pipes on us, um, <laughs> and uh, I hope that. So I live in an Orthodox Jewish neighborhood in uh, Brooklyn. So I hope that you'll you'll swing by and we can go to a kosher yes. steakhouse. That's definitely in the plans. Well, next time I talk to you guys, it'll be uh, we'll t- talk more about uh, Bitcoin and meat. That I'm not. I'm I'm personally uh, a big in the uh, in the camp. I've been uh, pretty much carnivore for the past few weeks, and uh, I mean, I was always pretty much keto, and uh, so I'm trying to take it more uh, hardcore. But I've I'm have that I'm having more difficulty with with uh, finding Jewish text to support and stuff. So we'll we'll talk more about that, uh, Michael, uh, one night. Diving more into it, I, I have my uh, crackpot opinions on that. Based on <laughs> yeah. totally, totally like that one. I'm that one. I'll probably get in trouble Torah. for. Look, I, I read the I read the Torah once, you know, so I I know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, you read a Wikipedia article about the Torah. It was, it was really well written, and it had lots of citations. Okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> All right. Thanks for joining us. Um, and hey, we'll, we'll so do much. this again for sure. Uh, yeah, and awesome. so we also, I hope that you uh, record uh, your, your, your lecture about uh, the Torah and Bitcoin and Judaism uh, so that yeah, you know, we can, will. we can share that as well on the podcast. So that'd be fun. Yeah. Great. And uh, so I just put up a website. It's the Bitcoin It's just like my Twitter handle at the Bitcoin rabbi. Uh, if anybody is in, you know, I'm in New York. If anybody knows any, uh, you know, Jewish youth groups or, or anything like that, and you want me to talk about Bitcoin and Judaism, uh, I'd like to do that. So, uh, you know, connect me, connect with me there. Ah, oh, fantastic, awesome. Well, thanks for joining us, and uh, we'll, we'll to our listeners. If you want to be able to see these interviews live, you should join our Patreon at Patreon.com/noted. I know Patreon's been getting a lot of hate lately, but uh, they've got a good product, uh, is for one, and uh, for, for two, um, we are actively exploring uh, Bitcoin options uh, for doing a, uh, you know, having our listeners support the show. So um, it's probably going to be with BTC Pay Server, and uh, I like uh, Jeff's uh, Jeff Andrews plugin for that. So I'll be playing around with that, but. Yeah, we've just got so much to build and so little time. It's incredible. Uh, until the next bull market starts, we got to have like everything in place. We got to have all this stuff, all the infrastructure in place, so that during the next bull market, like if you are sick of Patreon and they're censoring you or whatever, you can uh, jump onto the Bitcoin bandwagon. Anyway, um, all right, we'll ha- we'll ha- uh, see you next week. Bye. Thanks. Bye. 
I've been a police officer. You guys for, wrote some long questions for Echo Charles to well, read. We're in there. I'm trying. He's been studying them for four hours. <laughs> yep. I've been a police officer for about four years. I consider myself to be proactive and try to get after it every day, much like many of my brother and sister law enforcement officers. Recently, I switched to a bigger agency with a, with a bit of a different mission. I still try to be as proactive and as thorough as I can in everything that I do. But I've noticed that many of the frontline supervisors in this agency want officers to be reactive rather than proactive. The supervisor in particular has told me to stop working so hard and get salty. <laughs> suggesting that I lower my morale. The question is, how do I build a relationship with these supervisors while still being proactive and working hard? So this is what I did when I got to SEAL Team 1. I was this guy right here. I was fired up. I was, hey, oh, we're doing an obstacle course today? Cool, I'm gonna wear my rucksack with a 40 pound sandbag in it. And all the guys that were older were you know, looking at me like, dude, pump the brakes. <laughs> and you know, of course, what did I think? Those guys aren't hardcore. Those guys are weak. That's what I was thinking. And then, you know, I thought to myself, okay, how can I, how can I have influence over them? How can I have influence over the platoon that I'm in? Can I have influence over the platoon that I'm in if everyone that's in my platoon doesn't like me? No. Can you? If everyone in my platoon doesn't like me because I'm super hardcore, then are they gonna steer it all in my direction? No. The answer is no. The answer is no. In fact, they're gonna isolate me. In fact, I'm gonna have no influence over my platoon. And that's, that's a horrible thing. So, what did I do? Did I just go, okay, cool, it looks like donuts is the deal. <laughs> no, I didn't do that at all. But I conformed, right? I conformed. And people think, oh, that's weak. You shouldn't conform. Look, you are not the priority. You as an individual are not the priority in a SEAL platoon. You're not. The, the priority is the platoon. The priority is the mission. And if we're gonna execute a mission, we need to be very tight as a team. So if I put my personality above the unity of the team, I'm hurting our capability of accomplishing the mission. Especially if I realize that guys need to train a little bit harder and instead of actually doing something that's gonna move them in that direction, they reject me and now I'm outside the, the brotherhood, the circle. And, and now I haven't moved them in any right direction at all. So now there's one guy that's in really good shape, me, and everyone else is going in the other direction. And I have no influence over them. That, that's just terrible. The mission is the most important thing. In order to most effectively execute the mission, we have to have the best possible team. In order to have the best possible team, we have to have trust and relationships inside the team. 
If I violate that, I'm taken away from the team, I'm taken away from our mission capability. Now, of course, if there's someone that's grossly out of shape or out of standards, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try and tighten that person up. But again, if someone's completely out of standards and all I do is attack them, what's their reaction? It's, it's to, to step away from me, to reject me. But if I, if I say, hey man, you know, I know you got a lot of experience and you know, I'm, I'm 19 and so I'm, I just got a bud, so I'm in pretty good shape, but like, can, can, can you teach me some of the tactics that you know? And all of a sudden I'm building a relationship with them. And then I say, hey, do, do you, you wanna go for a little, a little jog with me after work? And you know, that guy's done eight deployments and he's tired and he's old, but he wants to be back in shape because we all wanna be in shape. And he goes, okay, a short one. <laughs> and we're moving in the right direction. So that's what you need to do. You have to, you have to back off a little bit. You have to find balance. And you have to focus on the team. And it's better to have the whole team, it's better to have 20 people that move a little bit in the right direction than have one person by themselves that's going in the right direction and everyone else is going in the wrong direction. So that's what you need to do. Take the sandbag out of your rucksack a little bit. <laughs> and you know, I ran with jungle boots on, I did all this stuff. And it didn't take me very long to realize I was not doing the right thing, not making my team stronger. I was isolating myself and stopped it. So this guy, he should like, what, start acting just a little bit salty? <laughs> or, you know, or, you know, lower his morale appearance a little bit, yeah, like to yeah. kind of fit in, so to speak. Yeah, do you want to be part of the team? Yeah. If you're not part of the team, you don't have any influence. If you don't have any influence, you can't move the team in the right direction. If you can't move the team in the right direction, the team is less mission capable. That's yeah. what you're there for, yeah. is to make the team more mission capable. Every moment that you don't do that, you're, you're doing something wrong. So yes, you don't have to show up. I mean, just imagine I was a new guy at SEAL Team One. People, we show up to run the O course. The O course is, the obstacle course is a really hard obstacle course. And I show up with a, a rucksack on with a 40 pound sandbag in it. As a new guy. Yeah. You know, of course, a couple people were like, oh, that's fired up. But people were like, okay. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you're, oh you're, you're 19 years old and you just got out of buds. Yeah, yeah. Whatever. Makes sense. We don't like you. Yeah. yeah. So. It's kind of like steering like a big van, right? You can't just start making big turns with a big, otherwise the thing's going to tip over a little bit. See what I'm saying? No, you got to like, you can't, if the, the you got to, you got to go slow is what I'm saying. Okay. You guys understand. 